Welcome to God is Open. On this mini-sode, we are going to be going over Isaiah 55, the phrase that we all are aware of, which has all been used on us at one point in our life. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so this phrase is typically used in a debate as a trump card. Maybe you're getting a good point about God's character and you say, hey, this the Bible says this about God and how can it be true if this is the case, your theology. And then this was used as a trump card. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so sometimes the implication is whatever God does is moral uh, just because he's God. Or it doesn't have to make sense in our mind what's going on within God's thought process, or it doesn't matter because we just don't have access to that type of thinking. Or you're reading the Bible in a very literal way, and this verse here says we shouldn't be reading the Bible in that type of method. Instead, we need to take whatever metaphysics the proponent is arguing, and that supersedes anything the text says because... My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Meaning whatever the text says that you're reading is uh, incorrect interpretation, and then you have to use a special metaphysics that you bring to the text to actually understand what the text is saying, because it just doesn't correlate to our experience, is the claim. But that's not what's going on in context, and I haven't ever heard a Calvinist, use it in context correctly and correctly talk about in context what the meaning is and, and what it's limited to, how it's being applied. Not until today. I did hear a Calvinist today explain Isaiah 55 in context, and it was, it was glorious. I was shocked. I was shocked that they were doing contextual analysis. Typically, it's used as a standalone verse. Typically, it's used as that trump card context is not considered. So let's look at the context. God is talking to Israel. Israel is wayward, but God wants to recruit them, have them change their ways and come back to him so that he can make them into a priest nation. This is his enduring word that is referenced later in the chapter, also a very misused verse. So let's read Isaiah 55 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has money, no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. It sounds kind of like free will, choice. People have independent volition. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. So he's talking about his commitment to King David to make a people, that priest nation. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So he's saying you will be a priest nation. So other nations who you're not even familiar with, you don't have relations with, will seek you out on account of your relationship with God. 
this is that priest nation status. But they're not they're not there in that position yet because they're still wayward. There's still a lot of evilness in Israel. And so they have to repent. They have to come back to God. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Saying, Reform yourselves. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So God, God's saying you're very wicked right now, but return to me, just, just repent, come back to me. And guess what? I will abundantly pardon. And so this is the direct context of, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways declares the Lord. And so God, he's saying here that although you've been very wicked and rebellious and like normal people would just disown you and start again or go somewhere else. You are not, you're not in that position in which a normal person would pardon you due to your actions. But because my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not my, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He will pardon where normal people will not pardon. He will forgive when a normal human being would not forgive. Now, my son was reading this uh, verse today, and he says, there's a lot of people out there that will abundantly pardon, though. So how does how does it mean that God does this and man doesn't? And I had to point out, you yeah, know, this is a general rule of thumb. And so often in the Bible, people take phrases and they think it's just talking about metaphysics rather than just generalities. Yeah, you're going to find some people who do abundantly pardon, but that's not the typical human experience. So God's ways are not like the typical human being ways. Specifically in this context, he's talking to a wayward Israel who might be less likely to pardon than a modern Americans who are living in the lap of luxury, for example. But these are rules of thumbs. God, God is not like typical men who hold these vendettas and will not accept uh, repentance. and They will not pardon abundantly. So God is liable to forgive. That's what this verse actually means. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, this is in reference to his propensity to pardon, to forgive. So God is more forgiving than us. God is more lenient than us. God shows mercy uh, more abundantly than we do with things that we might see as violations of justice like if someone keeps violating norms of justice we might look down on that person we might want something vindictive to happen to that person god is more prone to forgive even to us criticizing god so take for example the jonah situation jonah's criticizing god God is not punishing the Syrians. The Syrians are a very evil nation, and then they repent, and then God does not do what he said he's going to do. Why? Because he's liable to forgive. And Jonah's mad about this. He doesn't want forgiveness. He wants vengeance. God is not like a man that God is not going to carry out vengeance when the people are in a state of repentance. Isaiah 55.10, it seems to be referencing the priesthood promise that we already looked at earlier. 
And so it says, For as the rain and snow come down from earth, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing which I sent it. The reference appears to be back to verse 5, so it, it kind of sidetracks and then it gets back on track. Uh, Israel, you are wayward. Israel, you need to repent and turn to me so I can make of you a priest nation. If you repent, I will forgive because I'm full of forgiveness. Going back to the priest nation, he says, this is my will to be done, that you become this priest nation, and my word is not going to come back void. Following up on that, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That reminds me, there's a song by Sufjan Stevens, a good music artist. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. He's a Christian or former Christian who wrote all these songs. But the idea is that the whole world is going to be, this is kind of like a post-apocalyptic scene in which the world is righted. Instead of thorns shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. This is the, all the thorns, all the curses of Genesis are being reversed. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So that in this new established hierarchy, Israel is the priest nation leading everyone to God. The earth is in a restored state. This is God's words that's not going to come back to him void. He has this future in mind. So also a misused verse, a misused verse that people say, oh, if any prophecy fails, then it's a violation of this verse. Well, God has general goals, and those goals are going to be accomplished. The means by which he accomplishes them are variable, as we see within the context. The people are rebellious and wayward, and he pleads with them to return to him so then they can be used in this process. And if they're unwilling, God has options. John the Baptist, talking about the same promise, states that God can make new children of Abraham from the rocks, right? God can still fulfill his purposes, even if everyone rejects him and fights against him. God has means. God has ways to accomplish what he wants. All right, that's what I wanted to talk about today. These two misused verses, primarily, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. In context, it's not about metaphysics. That's about God's character and propensity to pardon, to forgive. And God's word not coming back void. God has plans and God will accomplish those plans. Definitely true, the definitely biblical concepts and not evidence or proof text for Calvinist or classical theist metaphysics. It's just not there.